the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Pharisees came and to test Jesus asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus answered them, what did Moses command you? They said Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked Jesus again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might bless them. And the disciples sternly spoke to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For to such of these, the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, unless you receive the kingdom of God as a little child, you will never enter it. And Jesus took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Mother, who gives us birth. Amen. Are you related? You have the same last name as I do. Are we related? We each have our stories of people to whom we are related, our relatives. For example, this is the classic story I tell of my relatives. I only have 14 great-grandparents instead of the normal 16. Hmm. That means I had grandparents who were cousins. It means my parents are second cousins, and I playfully add that my brother and I are third cousins. <laughs> now, speaking of relatives and relationships, today's scriptures almost every one of them is difficult. Though they hold up the gift of relationships, marriage, and how we relate to creation, they have zingers that seem archaic or hurtful or irrelevant. Take the wonderful story of the creation of animals and birds, and then the man giving names to all of them, but needing a partner, bone of his own bone and flesh of his own flesh. So did you catch it? God performs nocturnal surgery on the man, creating woman from his ribs. All right. In an age when we value mutuality and equality in relationships, this seems to reinforce a patriarchy. Now we know from this passage and others that 
marriage is divinely instituted, that God desires us to not be alone. But what about, <laughs> what about single people? What about people who wish they were married or partnered but aren't? What about people unhappily married? What about same-gender couples? What about male-female binary language for some transgender people? What about people who face deep loneliness, being alone either online or in a crowd or by themselves? How are we related to this text? Psalm 8, then, talks about human beings having dominion over creation. Woe has that word caused a lot of different interpretations over the ages that have led us to our current climate crisis. The text has been abused. Rather than exercising stewardship, care of the earth, we, I mean human beings, we have acted as if we are the center of everything, as if all natural resources, the environment, birds, animals, are there for our benefit alone. So how are we related to this text? Then the doozy gospel about divorce, one of the hardest passages for any pastor to read aloud in church. One woman told her pastor after hearing it that she felt like garbage had been dumped all over her. Like the lopping off of limbs text last week, I don't know about you, but I just hear the shock, the negative, the judgment, and miss the good news or the deeper meaning. Now, these difficult scriptural texts, and in some ways, I'm glad they appear, because I know that you and I are paying attention to what we're going to say about them. They challenge us on what it means to read the Bible as the Word of God in a context so far removed from its original setting. Because in biblical times, women and children were seen as the property of men. The family then was about economics. There was no such thing as finding a soulmate in marriage. No such thing as sexual orientation as something given rather than an abomination. No such thing as someone coming to understand their gender identity different from the one they were assigned at birth. How many wives have been counseled to stay in difficult, abusive relationships because of Jesus' words about divorce? Now, some scholars... That's where we turn first, point out that Jesus is a bit of a feminist in the gospel, not only allowing men to divorce their wives because of burnt toast, equal opportunity divorce, I suppose, or reminding us that in other books of the Bible, there are other takes on marriage and divorce, or suggesting that all our relationships fail that God intends that we take our vows and commitments seriously, or maybe most helpful today, the fact that what follows the divorce passage, which maybe seemed completely unrelated, is Jesus blessing children, also seen as vulnerable in his time. Jesus is always 
on the side of the weakest ones in any society. Are we related to these texts? Do you relate to them? Do I? As a preacher, I can't just brush away the hurt, the anger, the guilt, the confusion, the other strong reactions that you or I may have to these texts. Perhaps all we can do is set them next to other texts, set them next to other guiding principles of our faith, such as God continues to speak in new ways in every age. No one enters marriage hoping for a divorce, but sometimes it is the best path forward for healing. Women now hold positions of authority in, in nearly all professions, including bishops in our denomination. In the past, same, in the past decade, same-gender couples have given, been given the right to marry, and again, in our denomination, we now have the first transgender bishop. So are we related? Maybe that's the best question for today. Some of you know the African philosophy of Ubuntu. It means humanity, or better yet, I am, because we are. We're all connected. Think back to that Genesis text in which creation, in which animals and humanity is created from the dust of the earth. A reference one scholar notes that makes her think of black and brown skin people created from the earth. We're all related. We are one with the earth. We are one with plants and animals. We are one with the pets and the energy they bring into our home. All creatures, great and small, especially, sadly, those named as extinct this very past week. Dear St. Francis, thought of creation as kin, Mother Earth, Brother Sun, Sister Moon, and Christians go so far as to proclaim a triune God who is relational by its, or shall we say their, very nature. We're related, and it may seem a cliche to say that human beings are made of stardust, but research does show that humans and their galaxy have about 97% of the same atoms. And we are meant to be in relationship to one another, to the earth, to creation. We all face, I face, you face loneliness. But there's something in us, a drive, something wired in us to be in community, to find our identity as spouses and lovers and friends, but yes, colleagues, parents, children, relatives. The good news is that God desires that we're not alone. And despite our failings in all kinds of relationships, they are the greatest sign of God's grace in our lives. So, I may not be your third cousin or your blood relative, but we are related. Despite the deep divisions in our country, we are related, and we're related to a vast humanity, to the stars in the sky, and the wonderful diversity of animals and plants on this orb floating through space. 
So let's be a church that blesses babies and children and animals and plants and people and families in all kinds of life-giving relationships. For through God's grace and mercy, they are all blessed kin. Amen.